Good morning and welcome to episode 46 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. Hello everyone, it's your man Uncle Dub and um, this is uh, going to be an interesting episode. Um, so this is going to be the season finale. So um, I've been at this almost a year, be a year January 11th and you know with the holidays coming I want to you know, take a little time off and you know relax, recuperate, try to start thinking about how I want to start off uh 2021 with this podcast trying to do some new things taking things in a new direction but i'm going to do a couple things with today's episode uh talk through uh college football so we've had some championship action last night a full slate of championship games today uh talk a little bit of college basketball there's a few games uh in the top 25 on the men's side, uh, for the women's side, I'll kind of you know, no major games for the women's side, at least for the top 25 is concerned with major matchups. Um, we'll see some major matchups with the women's side next week. Uh, start at the beginning of next week as we go into Christmas, there will be some games. Um, so I'll talk through some men's basketball and uh, look at the Heisman finalists and then talk through kind of just put a bow on the year. So from last night, so last night the Pac-12 had their championship game and Pac-12 champion for the second year in a row are the Oregon Ducks. So the Oregon Ducks beat USC, number 13, USC 31 to 24. Um, I wanted to call this game, but I have to kind of remind myself every year that the Pac-12 does a nice job of having the stage to themselves that they have a Friday night championship game before everyone else because, you know, it gives them a, a nicer starting time. So the game came on, at, I think, at 8 o'clock. So you'll be 5 p.m. Pacific. So, you know, um, on the West Coast, that's great time. For us, you know, here in the East Coast, it's great time. But nevertheless, when I looked at this matchup, I, I, I really poured over the numbers. I poured over, um, you know, kind of, man, I haven't really seen, I didn't really see Oregon play this year. And, you know, I knew that they, had a good team, good reputation, um, saw USC play a couple times. And I don't know, there was something in my gut that kind of told me, you know, Oregon was going to win this game and they did. And for the reasons I thought, number one, I didn't see the game last night, but a couple reasons. Number one, if you look at USC's schedule, if you recall, they struggled out the gate in game one. They fell to Arizona State. Again, Arizona State's no slouch. You know, uh, I thought they had a you know, really good team. Um, and then USC came back. Um, they beat Arizona by four points, a, a winless Arizona team. Um, they blew out, I believe, Utah and Washington State. They fell behind against their arch rival UCLA and had to come back to win. Um, in this game, Oregon, they, you know, kind of they had a little more juice in this one. Um, the other thing, USC had costly turnovers and costly penalties. I mean, if you have turnovers and penalties in any game and you manage to win, I mean, the the football gods are definitely on your side. But nevertheless, this is a seven point loss for number 13 USC. Oregon um, has more losses in USC, and I believe they have more losses than Washington, who they replaced in this championship game. They will get the New Year's six birth for the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 more likely will not have, well, definitely will not have a representative in the um, in the college football playoff again. Um, and that's a whole nother show discussion. You know, it, it's been dissected eight ways from Sunday. 
And, you know, here we are. Nevertheless, and plus with the shortened season, I mean, the Pac-12 started last out of everyone else. I mean, th- this whole season has just, just been messy, and we all know why. Um, other scores from last night uh, in the Ryan Conference USA Championship, UAB beat Marshall 22-13. to And Ball State won the MAC Championship, Ball State 38-28 to over Buffalo. All right, so let's look at today's action here. So we'll run through the game starting, I believe we're doing this in a uh, time chronological order. So, I mean, you can pick and choose what you want. It's going to be boom, 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 back to back to back. They got you covered as far as college football today. Um, starting off at noon from uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis will be the Big 12 championship. Now, this is kind of a flip here because typically in past years, the Big 12 championship has been, you know, later in the evening. But I think, you know, again, with all the championships and all the changes with COVID, um, the Big 12 championship is leading everything off. It'll be a good game. Um, Northwestern, number 14 at Ohio State, number four. So Ohio State, you know, playing on neutral site, Ohio State will be the home team. Um, Ohio State are 18 and a half point favorites. I mean, I, 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 here's my thing. Northwestern's a very good team. Um, I don't know if they got enough to beat Ohio State. So Northwestern, so they're led by a former linebacker, uh, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, who's been head coach for a number of years now. This team has taken on his identity. He, you know, very tough player um, as a coach. You know, he has put his identity and his stamp on his program. Um, they're a very ebb and flow type of program. They kind of have these, you know, these peaks where they're, you know, they're, you know, pretty decent, you know, maybe seven and five, nine and three. Then they have the valleys where they don't, you know, do very well. If I recall, they did not have a very good season last year. Um, many folks did not have them doing what they did this year. Um, and the Wisconsin game, I think, was a big, uh, a big, a great example of this. Um, so uh, a lot of folks thought they were going to lose Wisconsin. So they were at home. Um, I believe, I don't know what the re- regulations in the state of Illinois are, but I think there were very few to no fans. There may have been no fans at all. I don't recall. I remember watching some of the game. But um, everyone thought Wisconsin was going to come to uh, come to uh, Evanston and roll them, and they didn't. It was a very good game. Northwestern walked away with the victory, um, even uh, kind of linking Ohio State into this a little bit more. <laughs> uh, former um, Ohio State uh, wide receiver Joey Galloway, who was an ESPN analyst, um, he really ribbed this team. He basically said, you know, they're just not you know tough enough to you know beat Wisconsin, and uh, Joey Galloway had to eat a lot of crow. Uh, after that game, um, because those guys uh, at home, no fans, they brought their own energy, which seems to be a, a you know big theme in this in this year for college football and college basketball. You got to you know bring your own energy. You know, a lot of places you know have great home fans, um, and teams feed off the energy. You know, places like you know Clemson, places like LSU, uh, College Station with Texas A&M, the twelfth man. These places traditionally feed, you know, have great crowds. The players feed off of that. Now you don't have it. So you got to bring on energy and, and be ready to play. But Northwestern brought their own energy that day. They played a great football game against Wisconsin. And, and kind of looking at Wisconsin this year, I just really didn't think they were the team that they typically are. They're usually a very good football team. Um, usually they'll have a loss somewhere that you don't expect. Um 
you know, in route to people thinking, oh, there they have the chance to be undefeated. And and, and, that, and that's how it goes. Um, in this one, I'm going with Ohio State in my heart. <laughs> I would like to see Northwestern win this one, but I don't know if they I mean, if you look at the stats, I mean, it's just the numbers are just ridiculous. They just bounce off the page when you look at Ohio State's offense. Um, how their defense plays. I mean, Northwestern would have to play out of their minds to win this game. And I'm talking not just on the offensive end, but they really would have to play out of their minds on the defensive end. I don't know if they're going to do that. But as I always say, this is why they play the game. Um, going to Arlington, Texas for the Big 12 championship. That's noon on ABC. Numbers, uh, number 10, Oklahoma at number six, Iowa State. Oklahoma six-point favorites. Um so here's some stats for you. Both teams allow roughly about 235 uh, passing yards a game. No surprise. There's the big 12. So it's just number one is going to be a shootout. Um, both teams allow 22 points a game, which that shows me that there's a sliver of defense somewhere. So, I mean, usually the big 12 game, it's like it's, you know, lots of offense and duh. so you just get the D and defense here. I'm going to give you. Nice chunk of offense with a sliver of defense. So you're going to get some of that. So I think this game will be close. It'll be a, it'll be a one touchdown game. But what I'm thinking here is a key Iowa State, their rushing game will be key if Iowa State can rush the football. And then that will, you know, as we know, the rush usually gives way to the pass. So if um, Brees Hall, their leading rusher. He has, what, 1,357 yards and 17 touchdowns this year. If he can get going, then their quarterback, Brock Purdy, we've all, you know, if you watch Iowa State, you all know what he's capable of. So I, I like Iowa State in this one. I think it's going to be a close game. It'll be a touchdown game. Um, let's go to the SEC Championship. I was, I said I was going to go in, in um, chronological order, but I'm going to skip the ACC Championship for a second because I'm really struggling with that game. Um, we got uh, number one, Alabama at number seven, Florida. The SEC Championship will be eight o'clock on CBS. Alabama are 17 point favorites. I'm just going to get out of the way. Alabama's got this one. Uh, again, I don't want to take anything away from Florida. They've got, you know, they've got a Heisman Trophy candidate and Kyle Trask is their quarterback. He's a great player. Um, Alabama has two Heisman Trophy candidates and Matt Jones, their quarterback, and Devonta Smith, their wide receiver. I think this will be a closer game. Do you think? I don't think it's going to. I don't think. I. I don't know. I don't think Alabama's going to blow Florida out. I hope not. I mean, now remember, Florida lost to LSU last week. So, I mean, does that push them towards getting blown out, or does that push them to dig deep and make this a battle? I'm thinking it might be the latter than the former. Um, close game. The winner of this game. As far as the Heisman Trophy is concerned, the winner of this game kind of gets the edge in the Heisman race. However, I'll kind of talk about the Heisman in a minute because you've got three candidates in one game. So it's going to be fun to watch how this kind of goes back and forth. Um, the American Athletic uh, Conference Championship tonight in Cincinnati. So this is a home game for Cincinnati. They will host uh, number nine. Cincinnati will host number 23 Tulsa. I've been buying Cincinnati all season and I I'm so upset that they've, I believe they've dropped in the uh, CFP playoff rankings. So in them dropping that kind of pushes them further and further away from potentially being that group of five team that gets into the power, that gets into the, 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 the top four. 
And I, I don't know, a lot of dominoes will have to fall in the wrong direction for that to happen. Because, you know, you say, OK, what happens if, say, Northwestern beats Ohio State? If, say, um, I think what Clemson is two in the playoff rankings, I forget. But anyway, if Notre Dame wins, Northwestern wins, um, Florida wins, you know, I get some dominoes. A, a lot of dominoes have to fall in the wrong direction. And I think you would have a better chance <laughs> of you know, hitting a hole in one <laughs> blindfolded. So, uh, um, so with that said, um, I, I do like Cincinnati to win the American. Um, that means they will be in a New Year's Six game. They'll probably get a really good New Year's Six game, really good opponent, and I think that would really you know push the the argument that they are a better team than most people thought if you haven't seen them play. But the other piece of it is it just kind of really um, solidifies the idea that, you know, obviously this has been a season of anomalies, number one. And secondly, you know, just the way the playoffs are set up, I like this system slightly better than the BCS system, slightly better, but it still only limits you to four teams. So, again, if you've got teams like Cincinnati uh, in the last Three or four years, you had a team like Central Florida who was very good. You know, they'd go undefeated. Now, you could question Central Florida as, okay, who are you really playing? But, you know, they would get in a bowl game and play a non conference opponent, a good non conference opponent, and they would go to town and crush them. So there are really good group of five teams out there. They're just not getting a shot. And I don't know, something kind of needs to change. I mean, I'm now I, I may have said this before. I am all for um, expanding the um, <clears throat> expanding the playoffs to eight teams, just only eight teams. Now, there's the argument that it won't work and, um, you know, it puts more pressure. It, it takes pressure off of teams playing non-conference opponents. If you say it, if you say you have to do it, don't do it. That's just my thought. So, you know, you get a team like I was like Clemson. I pick on Clemson. Clemson right now is the team in ACC. There's no no other. It's Clemson and everybody else. Let's keep it real. Now, let's say you come into a year, you got Clemson, you got North Carolina, you got Notre Dame. If they decide to join the ACC, which they should. I'm so sick of them being independents. But that's, again, another argument. Uh, you got Clemson, you got UNC, you got Notre Dame. Let's say, you know, you get Miami back. Let's say you get Florida State back. So you get five teams. So those five teams, at some point, they might have to all play, they might have to all play each other. Um, my guess is the ACC will probably go back to division play next year. Don't know. But let's say they keep the same format next year and everybody plays everybody. You get uh, more intrigue because you've got five teams here that potentially are ranked. I'm just saying hypothetically, and they'll play each other. Plus, if there's out of conference play, which if they stay, if they keep the same format, maybe there's a possibility there's no out of conference play. But you got five teams that are ranked. They play each other. That tells you something right there that knocks them down. So at the end of it all you're going to have a championship game. You get one champion. So my thought would be you get your five, your power five conferences. That's five teams. Then you look to the group of five. So from the group of five, 
that's where you have would have the arguments because for the power five, you take the conference champion. That's easy. If you go to say the mountain West, the Sun Belt, conference, USA, uh, American athletic, let's say you go, you'll go to those conferences and you rank them. You say who are the three and by record, who are the three best teams from these conferences, from the group of five. So you get your five conference champions, your three group of five teams, seed them, let them play. Whatever happens, happens. That's just my thought. But all that to say this, um, again, even with a really not so fantastic season from a logistic standpoint, from a COVID standpoint, we're still, to me, I don't think we're going to really get a great idea who the champion is. I mean, uh, I don't know, this is my thought. But anyway, um, other games of note today in college football. Um, there's a couple others. Um, one of the championship, the Mountain West. Speaking of the Mountain West, they'll play at 415 on Fox. It's Boise State, uh, who are six and a half point favorites. They will play at San Jose State, who's ranked number 24. I'll take uh, San Jose State over Boise State, which is weird to say. Um, usually Boise State is usually the class of that conference, but I'm sure it will be close. It'll be a shootout. And I'm sure that'll be a, definitely be a fun game to watch. Um, two other games of note. There are other games today. So I think the SEC is using today as a makeup day for some canceled games. None of those games look terribly interesting. I'm sure they'll be broadcasted across um, probably either the SEC network or various platforms, ESPN, whatever. But two of the games of note, uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, they're going to make up their rivalry game. They'll play for Paul Bunyan's axe at four o'clock on the big 10 network. So they'll, so Minnesota head to camp Randall, um, air force goes to army. So with army's win last week against Navy army and air force are undefeated. This is the game. The winner takes home the commander in chief trophy. I don't know if that one's broadcast. I would like to see that game, but we'll, um, I'll, check it out and we'll talk about it at some point. <laughs> well, I don't know. Will we talk about it? Cause this is the season finale, but anyway, enjoy the game. Um, but that, that trophy will be picked up by the winner next year. So when the new administration comes in, the new administration will, the new president will hand the commander chief's trophy off to the winner of air force and army today. Okay. Um, so Heisman Trophy, let's talk Heisman Trophy. So here's the schedule. The Heisman Trophy, the finalists will be announced on Christmas Eve. Weird. Um, and then the virtual award show will be January 5th. So I said that, you know, this is the season finale without question. And I'm hoping to kind of be back, you know, mid-January. But you might get a sprint show maybe early January. So probably a few days prior to the um, to the uh, virtual award show on January 5th to kind of talk about the finalists. So here's my prediction for the finalists because I had to think about this. And I think the numbers, if I recall correctly, the numbers can vary. It can either be three to four people, three to four guys who will be designated as finalists. So again, obviously it goes as the vote goes. Um, usually... Uh, what, what the votes, the votes are secret. It's, they're tallied in secret. Um, I think the Heisman ballots have already gone out. So hopefully most people will wait until after this weekend to cast their ballots. And then once the ballots are counted, yeah, that gives us about a week 
until you know we see who the finalists are. So at first I was thinking, well, maybe it'd just be the top three guys I talked about uh, the couple episodes ago. And then I said, you know what? I think there'll be four finalists. Uh, we're going now again, regardless of how I said the winner of Alabama, Florida gets an edge in Heisman race. And that I thought about it, I'm going, well, you know, it's really not going to matter because let's say this Kyle Trask and Mac Jones both have the numbers. So one of them loses, even if they still have a stellar day. I mean, one of them would have to have a terrible day for them to, I mean, I don't know, get completely knocked out of the race, but I think they would still be in the race. They just may not have enough votes. Okay. So based upon that idea, I think all three of your finalists in that SEC championship game will be finalists. So it'd be Matt Jones from Alabama, the, but he's a junior quarterback, Kyle Trask from Florida. Uh, I think he's a junior quarterback as a senior quarterback. Anyway, well, I'm getting my class designations. doesn't matter. Kyle Trask quarterback from Alabama. Uh, I'm sorry. Kyle Trask quarterback from Florida, Matt Jones quarterback from Alabama. Uh, Devonta Smith, your wide receiver from Alabama. And I think Trevor Lawrence will uh, be in the finalist, finalist pool. Um, so I think there's going to be those four guys. That'll be my prediction for finalists. Um, we'll see how right I am. Mm. <laughs> and then we'll go from there. Um, and then, like I said, I'll probably do a sprint show sometime early January prior to the um, the, the virtual war show. We'll take a deep dive and look at their their stats um, talk about, you know, their performances, their teams, uh, because, you know, with the Heisman, it seems like, as I've said before, it seems like that they give more of a credence to offensive players. They give more of a credence to are you on a winning team as opposed to, OK, who's the best player in football, period. It could be a defensive player, an offensive lineman. Hell, it could be a kicker. But who is the best player statistically? Uh, who's doing great things off the field, you know, doesn't matter if your team's winning or losing. I just want the best player. And I'm not saying these guys aren't the best players, but there, there's this bias towards, oh, these guys are playing for championships. We got to get these guys. These are the guys who are going to, who are the best players. And that's not always the case. I mean, it probably has been more so the case, but not in every case of a Heisman winner that, the team that they that, that, that these players were on the best team, but they were the best player in the entire sport. Um, let's switch over to college basketball. Actually, hmm, there's one other thing with college football. I know there's been some controversy with. I read this briefly. Um, Brian Kelly, the head coach of Notre Dame, is a little bit upset about the Rose Bowl and the fact that the Rose Bowl, due to its location in California, they are going to not ha allow fans into the Rose Bowl. And Brian Kelly is very upset about that. You know, he basically said that, you know, this is a big moment for his team, for his players and, um, you know, family should be allowed. And, this goes to the idea that if they are, you know, certain parts of California, as you know, are under lockdown that uh, or well, not lockdown, but they have put in new restrictions that, you know, certain gatherings cannot occur. And I believe there's been talk. He said that they would boycott the Rose Bowl, which I'm going. Mm, 
but um, that's a developing story. Um, they've also discussed moving the Rose Bowl from Pasadena to another site to play it. So, I mean, this could all go in any direction at any time. Um, so that's a breaking story. You'll hear about that sometime later. Um, let's go to college basketball. So uh, for Saturday and Sunday, there are a lot of ranked matchups on the men's side. Uh, today, uh, number one, Gonzaga plays number three, Iowa. So two undefeated teams coming together. So Luca Garza plays that really good shooting Gonzaga team. But and really, in reality, both teams shoot very well. I think they're shooting both in the 50 percent range from the field. So it'd be a really good matchup. I don't know if that game is on TV. It's got to be on TV somewhere. I'll find it and be watching that. Um, number 23, Louisville will go to Wisconsin. That's a makeup game from the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, the CBS Sports Classic is on today. Uh, UNC number 22 at four and two plays one and four Kentucky. Ooh, Kentucky, they're, they're looking rough this year. Um, very young team. They're committing a lot of turnovers. They're just not playing smart basketball. But I mean, either this is going to go, this is going to get better for them or it's going to get worse. Um, right now, it's not looking good. But we'll see how they fare against a much improved UNC team at two o'clock on CBS. And then the second game of the classic, uh, UCLA, and I like them. They're looking very impressive under Mick Cronin. They'll play number 20 Ohio State at 415. So nice doubleheader of basketball on CBS. And then, of course, Iowa and Gonzaga. I got to find out when they're playing because I definitely want to check that one out. I want to see. Iowa, for the first time, I think I've watched uh, Gonzaga play um, first week of the season. And, uh, you know, they, they're looking they're definitely looking like a, a final four contender without question. Uh, yeah, let's see. Oh, that's noon. That's noon on CBS. Oh, yeah, CBS is going to have y'all hemmed up for the day. So <laughs> enjoy that. Uh, Sunday, number 13, Illinois goes to number 19, Rutgers. So another matchup. So a lot of, you know, a lot of basketball on, a lot of ranked games on. So you've got football, basketball. You just got this plethora of, you know, things happening uh, on both sides of the college world. And then you kind of get some games spattered through next week as we go up to the holiday. All right. So when I come back, I will do my very best to try to put a bow on 2020. So or in another way, how do I put a bow on a turd? Stay tuned. All right, everyone, I'm back. So so since this is the end of season one, um, wanted to kind of just briefly review, you know, kind of what happened this year, because, you know, if this were a well, if this were a video podcast, it would be cool, you know, barring TV rights and such. It'd be cool to play back all these clips or show this great montage of how the season went. But um this past year, but because this year has felt like we've been in it for the last 15, um, just kind of want to review all the champions. So who won championships this year? So because this year is kind of, and I had to really do some research because this year feels disjointed because, you know, seasons bleed into other years and stuff like that. But nevertheless, and then of course, because of COVID seasons got shifted, but nevertheless, we have champions in just about every sport, at least all your major professional sports, um, and one college champion this year. Um, so as we started 2020, we remember the Super Bowl was in Miami. So the Kansas City Chiefs uh, beat the San Francisco 49ers 31 to 20. Patrick Mahomes was your game MVP. 
And um, actually prior to that, because Super Bowl is in February, in January, um, LSU won uh, their first national championship in probably, what, a number of years, like what, 2007 sounds about right. Uh, they beat num- number one seed, LSU beat number three seed, Clemson, 42-25 in New Orleans. Joe Burrow was your offensive MVP, so he was the Heisman Trophy winner last year and was your offensive MVP in that game. Um, then as we move into professional sports, um, so, you know, Major League Baseball shifted their season. They modified their season, um, but they managed to get in the World Series. So the World Series actually was played in the time frame it was meant to be play in, played in. I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. You know, I hate when the World Series is played in November. Um, I mean, you know, growing up, the World Series would start and end in October and, you know, for the last couple seasons, I think that's happened. And this year more so, uh, we got the World Series in when it was supposed to happen. So the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, beat the Tampa Bay Devil Ra- the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm still calling them the Devil Rays, but whatever. Anyway, the Tampa Bay Rays four to two, four games to two. Uh, Corey Seager was your MVP. So, so shortstop for the Dodgers. Uh, Dave Rogers, uh, Dave Roberts. Blah, I'm reading too fast. Slow down, Dave Roberts. So he's the manager of the Dodgers. He becomes the first manager of Asian descent and the second manager of African-American descent to win the World Series. Um, And of course, there was some COVID controversy with that, um, with uh, their um, uh, one of their players. I can't remember the dude's name, Justin, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, coming out of the dugout, wearing a mask and celebrating with his team, which I thought you know, MLB should have done something about that. But, you know, I'm trying to think who's the worst commissioner in sports right now. I mean, is it MLB, NFL? It's definitely NFL by a mile. Anyway, um, um, Goodell's terrible. Um, NBA, so one seed in the West, the LA Lakers. They defeat the five seed in the East, the Miami Heat, four games to two. So remember with that shift, that stoppage of play, the movement to the bubble, the – Finals got shifted, so the finals started in late September and pushed into early October. So LeBron James was your uh, finals MVP, so he didn't win the league MVP. And, you know, you'd be a fool to think that he wasn't upset about it. I mean, you know, he he put on the good face, but you could tell he was not pleased that he was not the MVP. But he got the finals MVP, and, you know, there's a good chance that he will be league MVP a few more times before he gets out of here. Um, in the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning got that one right. They beat Dallas Stars four games to two. So that game was held in a bubble in Edmonton at the Rogers Center. Um, defenseman Victor Hedman was your Conn Smythe Trophy winner. So Conn Smythe Trophy is the MVP trophy for the NHL for the Stanley Cup Finals. So an interesting note here, Hedman had 10 goals in the playoffs. The entire playoffs had 10 goals. Now that's probably not a big deal, but as a defenseman, that's a big deal. So he had the third most goals in league history in the playoffs. So he's behind uh, two greats, Paul Coffey and Brian Leach. So Paul Coffey had 13 in the 85 season. Brian Leach had 11 in the 94 season. I believe that's the season the New York Rangers won their first Stanley Cup since probably the 1920s. So so that's actually you know a big deal. Um, in MLS, uh, Columbus beat Seattle three nothing for their second title. So they won that one at home after a, a battle through the East for Columbus and a battle through the West for Seattle. And the WNBA, the Seattle Storm beat the Las Vegas Aces 
um, uh, three games to nothing. They won their second title in three years and their fourth title overall in franchise history. Uh, Brianna Stewart was your MVP. Couldn't have written a better story. She was out the previous season with a torn Achilles. She comes back with a vengeance and leads the team to another title. Um, now, the NCAA, as you know, there were no champions for spring sports, no men's or women's college basketball, no lacrosse, no baseball, no spring sports as everything was canceled due to COVID. Um, college football spring practices were all shut down. So, again, you know, we're seeing the effects now because with National Signing Day that just passed this past Wednesday, you know, coaches had to talk. And I heard a lot of coaches talk about how they had to adjust their method of recruiting so they did a lot of zoom recruiting some schools did virtual tours for these young men so they could kind of decide where they wanted to spend you hope four years but you know we know how the transfer the transfer portal has reshaped college sports so with that you know you hope they spend two to three years and then of course you got guys that want to go to the pros you know so there's so many variables here but nevertheless you want to give them as full as a uh, experience as possible. Um, so with that said, um, I'm kind of back to you know what I talked about earlier that, you know, all these championships that we see here and there are people who are going, well, this championship. So if you look at the NBA championship or the World Series or, you know, all these championships that were played within COVID. So um, the Super Bowl was done and the national championship in college football was done, but everything, baseball, basketball, hockey, MLS, WNBA were all played in COVID conditions. And these, and you have people who are like, well, these championships should have a little asterisk spot in them. Why? So the season was played. Nothing really affected the season. I mean, with baseball, you have smaller sample size, but nevertheless, I'm good with that. You know, 162 games is a waste of time. I've always said that. Why do we play 162 baseball games? Why? You need roughly about half that to figure out who's going to win this thing. Most teams are eliminated from playoff contention on day one. So game one, you got 161 games to play, you're done. So who cares? So I'm good with that. Baseball's great. Basketball, you know, they're they're the standard. The NBA did such a fantastic job of getting these players back. I mean, I know it was tough. Uh, being away from families for a long period of time and having to, you know, you know, get tested and be, you know, concerned and be very careful about this sort of thing. I'll kind of touch on that in a moment. But nevertheless, the way that they modified the playoffs, and I've talked about this on a couple of episodes, the way that they modified the playoffs and got it done, I loved it. And I hope the NBA will consider making some of these changes, more of these changes in the future. The NHL, again, same thing. They modified their playoffs. They put the teams in bubbles, east and west. They played. I'm good with it. Uh, WNBA, NBA kind of did a lot of the same work. They were playing side by side in different areas uh, in the bubble in Florida. And then MLS Cup, again, they played more, more likely. These teams played with very few to no fans in the stands. So none of these championships, in my opinion, should have asterisks. However, college football and college basketball should. And with football, it's more of a case of, you know, sample size that, you know, you've got teams that some teams played 10 games, some teams played six games, some teams played five games. So although you get a team like in Ohio State to play five games, they're going to play their sixth game today as they go for the Big 12, Big 10 championship. Okay. That sample size doesn't compare to, say, an Alabama. It doesn't compare to now again. 
they started at different times. And that's a whole nother piece of controversy because, you know, their commissioner said, we're not going to play. And then, you know, there was a rebellion and, you know, I just find it interesting that, you know, in the first year of his tenure, uh, Kevin Warren, the big 10 commissioner who happens to be a black man gets damn near an armed rebellion outside of his office. Take that for however you want to take it. I'm not saying anything else, but anyway, um, but I think the sample sizes and the lack of uh, non-conference play, I think that's going to muddy the water. We're going to get a champion, but can we really say that that's the best team in college football this year? College basketball is the same thing. We're seeing the effects of, of games getting delayed or canceled. Um, there's a minimum number of games that has been set by the NCAA to be considered for the tournament. So if you get a large number of teams that don't meet this number, then guess what? You're going to have a situation where the tournament might have to be modified. So we're already trying to get the men's and women's tournaments in one place. But what if they get a lot of teams that don't make the number, make the cut? So they go from 64 teams to 32 teams or, you know, you know, I've seen scenarios where they've said, OK, 64 to 32 to 16 to eight. They've. You know, I've seen scenarios mapped out. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen come January into tournament time. Because once January hits, it's going to potentially be conference games every, you know, two two to three nights out of the week. It's going to be conference games for teams because, you know, the ACC, for example, they got to play 20 games. They got to get it in. So some teams have already started. Some teams will be starting this week, going into January. Again, how many will they get those games in? Because those games will count towards, I believe, the 15 games that are necessary to have a full season to be considered for the tournament. And then you got to play your conference tournament. Will these tournaments be played? If they are played, they'll more likely be played in a controlled environment, no fans. And then the tournament, which should be more controlled, where they try to get player, you know, teams in one place and they'll have to be there for a while. And again, that's not great for the student athletes, although, you know, many of these schools, if they are not virtual, they should be virtual. But I say asterisks on that too, because again, you know, you're, you know, you do are, you are getting that, you know, out of conference play, but I think having that smaller sample size, I think muddies the water a little bit. You can look at statistics, you can look at who they played, but I think, by small by reducing that sample size, I think it does muddy the water. And I think whoever wins this year, you put a little asterisk by their name as well. But will we be back to normal next year? That's something I want to have some discussions about. And hopefully we'll be doing that uh, in 2021. So before I uh, wrap this up, I want to do two other things. Number one, again, this isn't a video show, but nevertheless, um, kind of want to go through a list of uh, an in memoriam list. So those we've lost in 2020, 2020 um, from the world of baseball, uh, Hall of Fame pitcher Don Gibson and Hall of Fame pitcher Don Larson. So Gibson pitched for the St. Louis Cardinals, most notably, and Don Larson, most notably for the New York Yankees. Uh, John Altabelli, who's the head coach of Orange Coast College, and Al Kaline, right fielder for the Detroit Tigers. In basketball, Hall of Famer Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi. Cliff Robinson, former Portland forward and UConn graduate, former head coach of Georgetown, John Thompson, Sr., head coach at DeMatha, the legendary Morgan Wooten, 
former NBA commissioner David Stern. Wes Unseld played uh, for the then Washington Bullets for many seasons. Uh, Hall of Fame head coach Eddie Sutton. So he coached at Kentucky and Oklahoma State, uh, notably. Uh, head coach of the Arizona Wildcats, longtime head coach Luke Olson. Uh, head coach of the NBA, most notably the Utah Jazz, Jerry Sloan. And Curly Neal, most of most note, the Harlem Globetrotters. From the world of football, Don Shula. So the head coach, longtime head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Tom Dempsey, so most notably kicker for the New Orleans Saints. So I think he, at that time, he kicked the, I think it's still a record, the longest field goal in league history at 63 yards. Uh, former Minnesota quarterback Tavares Jackson. Former hit, uh, halfback for the Washington football team and Cleveland Browns, Bobby Mitchell. Uh, defensive end, Chris Dolman. Sam White, so former head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Gail Sayer, halfback for the Chicago for the Chicago Bears. Paul Horning, halfback for Green Bay and the winner of the 1956 Heisman. So this would have been the 64th anniversary of his Heisman victory. Um, others of note, Rafer Johnson, the 1960 gold medal winner in the decathlon from the Rome Olympics. Rocky Johnson, wrestler and father of The Rock. Phyllis George, a uh, trailblazing uh, broadcaster for CBS um, back in the 1970s. John Andretti, so a, a, a auto racer for, at many levels of auto racing. And lastly, Pete Dye, a very famous designer of golf courses. So my last point prior to ending for the season here. So in looking over everything and how this year has gone, I wanted to kind of think, well, how has sports been impacted this year? We know how it's been impacted. And I wanted to give you a figure of the year. And really the figure of the year this year is not a person. It is COVID. And in talking about this virus and how it has impacted sports, we can kind of think of it in a double as a double-edged sword that it has been very much a curse, but in some ways it has kind of made us refocus. So at this point in 2020, it is almost a cliche to say that we are in unprecedented, unprecedented times. About one year ago, reports surfaced that a new virus was emerging and its impacts would be nothing like we have ever seen. In some ways, it reminded us of the history that we learned with the 1918-1919 influenza pandemic. Only thing the reports said that this could potentially be worse. As COVID-19 emerged and began its spread worldwide, the response in the U.S. was dismissive. And that dismissive response would prove to be a mistake of epic proportion, as we have learned. Many countries around the world, in comparison, saw their citizens come together to do what was necessary for the common good at the direction of their leadership. Although there have been spikes in the infection numbers in these aforementioned countries, the morbidity and mortality did not compare to what was happening in the United States. 
By March, many states had to take matters into their own hands in ordering stay-at-home declarations to reduce the spread of COVID-19. The economy took a major hit. Many lost jobs, incomes, and even businesses. We are still seeing these effects as states tried to reopen only to shut down again as the stay-at-home orders were mere band-aids on gaping wounds that needed more intervention to stop the loss of life that was occurring. Sports, as we remember, followed suit as the NBA, the NCAA, and Major League Baseball spring training all shut down. These sports, as I've talked about, they did come back in some form. Fans were kept away as these sports started or restarted. Um, as we saw during this, this current college football season, in some places, fans were present in small numbers, obeying local ordinances to socially distance and or wear masks. Some places were better than others. But in some ways, it didn't seem right. As I've spoken on this podcast over this first season, I have talked about many stories that transcend this sport, or as I like to say, life is bigger than sports. There has been no better proof of this than COVID. The virus, in addition to social unrest and an ineffective governmental regime in Washington, has shown us that the ultimate diversion, which is supposed to bring us together, no matter our beliefs, can be taken away from us for any length of time. When this happens, and when it happens in the middle of a pandemic, it leaves us to ponder many things. One of those, more than likely, is our mortality. COVID brought the U.S. to its knees, and it was so unnecessary. The sickness, the death, the overall division that a biological organism created. So the last thing we really needed to be moaning about is that there are no sports. Hopefully what this moment provided for us all is some clarity. There is a sliver of a silver lining, say that five times fast, in all of this. Sports has always and continues to be a viable platform for the advancement of life, the fight for racial equality, the fight against police killing of black people, the fight for equal pay. So remember the U.S. women's uh, national soccer team um, levied a uh, uh, excuse me, they levied a um, um, lawsuit against the governing body of of, of sports, uh, sport, um, soccer in the country. Blah, and um, that was settled out of court. But I mean, think about it. You know, here's the team that's winning at the highest of levels, Olympics, World Cups, and they're not getting paid at the level of the men's team who haven't advanced past the knockout stage I think they advanced to the knockout stage, what, in 95, 96. And since then, they've done absolutely nothing. So, I mean, you know, you know, how is that fair? Um, but the fight for equal pay, equal rights, and a living wage for all, amongst other things, is why we should celebrate sport and hold our new administration accountable, uh, hold our new administration to ensuring that we stop the advances virus so that everyone can not only get back to work, our children can get back to school, but we can fully enjoy sport again and all it gives us that is life. To those who've been affected by COVID, either being ill and or losing a loved one, my heart and my prayers go out to you. I cannot in any way fathom what you have gone through. No one can bring back those we have lost due to inaction against this virus. We can't get back time lost to illness, nor time and compensation for loss of job or livelihood. Sadly, it took something preventable to get us to refocus on what is truly important, health, life, 
and our right to elect an actual administration that we hope will do vastly better than this current regime. Now is the time to demand better. If we want to get back what we think is normal or what life was prior to this time last year, you know, take it for what it's worth, because even prior to this time last year, was that truly normal considering what we've been through? We have to learn from what we're going through and remember what is important. Sure, maybe your team didn't win a title last year, or maybe your team lost an important game where they were, you know, odds on favor to win and the upset of the year happened. In the grand scheme of things, those scenarios pale in comparison to what we face as a country right now. For the sake and betterment of all, we need to get on one team to fight the threat that will finish the job of tearing us apart if we continue to stay divided on doing what is necessary to beat COVID-19. And with that, my friends, I leave you. Thank you so much for listening, your support over this year. As I mentioned, I hope to be back sometime in early January to talk a little bit of Heiser Trophy, and then we will kick off season two sometime in mid-January. And until then, please enjoy your holiday. Um, All the best to you. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, Happy Hanukkah. I believe Hanukkah is still, if it's not going on still, my, my best wishes to all of you. And take care and continue to stay safe and have a good one. Enjoy the sports as we end this year.